All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to read the Bible to you today. Okay, we've got a little bit of work to do, starting a new series. I'll tell you about it in a second. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 and 4. It says, But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Good morning, everybody. Isn't that a verse to start with? Watch this next one. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Hmm. Today I want to start a new series called The Real Jesus. The Real Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you today because we want to represent you. We want to know you. We want to experience you. We want to follow you. And I just pray over the next few weeks as we talk about you, Jesus, that we won't talk about you like you're not in the room. But we will acknowledge that you're here and because you're here, anything could happen. And I just pray for each of us to hear, to have ears to hear what you want to say to us. And I pray, God, that this will cause our faith to grow. I pray our perspective of who you are will be bigger than it's ever been. The limitations even that we put on you will be broken off. I pray, God, for your help to share these messages. Help me today, Father, to speak your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The real Jesus. The real Jesus. How many of you ever used a filter before on social media? Let me see your hand if you've ever used one before. Keith, you never used one before, man? I, I thought you may have that time you took the selfie. Uh, social media has given us such a gift, am I right? And I say that so sarcastically, by the way. But I'm afraid for some of you, with the pictures that you have taken, with the filters that you have used, if something really happened to you, we don't know who you would really be. Um, I mean that as a joke. Don't get your feelings hurt. Uh, I do remember when Snapchat came out. That's been a little bit. And they had all the little filters on there. And Ella Pearl was a little girl. And she wanted us to always take pictures with all the different filters and everything. Y'all right, remember those filters that we're not even using anymore? Well, some of y'all are. And you need to quit. But uh, anyway... <laughs> And I thought about going back and doing some of those pictures and, and putting some of them up here, but I don't trust most of you with those pictures because I think you would use them against me. And so I would use some wisdom that the Lord gave me and not do that. But um, the, the filter, you can polish up some things with a good filter. Am I right? I mean, you can clean it up a whole lot. And I feel like there is a, a picture that many people have of Jesus but there's a filter that they have put on it. It's that personalized, customized filter of who they would really, really like Jesus to be. And 2 Corinthians chapter 11 mentions a different Jesus. It mentions a different spirit. It mentions a different gospel. It's like it's another form of, another, another version of Jesus. But it's more to 
to our liking. And we've all done that before, am I right? How we try to put a spin on who Jesus is or put a spin on the Bible and make it fit the context of what we want it to fit instead of ourselves changing to fit the context of who he is and what the Bible actually says. Amen? I hope you've reached that point of maturity in your faith where you're not just trying to make the Bible fit you, but you've transitioned and you're trying to fit the Bible. Amen? Because the Bible will shape you. The Bible will change you. And if you're reading the Bible and you aren't changing, chances are you've got a filter on it. And we're filtering this stuff. And, and it's, I know this can sound pretty controversial, but, but sometimes we like to have our form of Jesus so that we can do our form of life. And we can have our form of opinions and, and, and positions on different things. And I think many people have done this. I think there are churches that are doing this as well. I'm not trying to, to point fingers at anyone, but I think that there's been a different Jesus that's been presented to our world. And sometimes we lean as far as the fire insurance Jesus, where it's the, the, the version of Jesus that will save your soul from hell, which he does. But if that's all Jesus does for you, you've missed who Jesus is. Amen? And then there's the, uh, the, the lovely Jesus, the hippie Jesus, where everything is love kind of Jesus, where it's the version of Jesus where Jesus just wants to make you happy and doesn't hurt anyone's feelings and just wants to produce harmony in people's lives. I don't know what Bible you've been reading, but there's some stuff in there that Jesus does that makes you scratch your head. Like, I'll just be transparent. Where Jesus tells his disciples, how long must I put up with you? That doesn't fit the hippie Jesus. But I tell you what, that makes me feel a lot better about some feelings that I got. Can I get an amen? And so if I, can, if I ever say, how long do I have to put up with you? Just excuse me while I be like Jesus. Okay? Then there's the political Jesus where everybody's trying to hijack who Jesus is to make him fit their political leanings. Amen? You never saw nothing like that in the last few years, but it's out there. Then there's the social Jesus. I don't know why y'all got real quiet. Y'all were laughing real good. And then I dropped social Jesus on you, and we try to hijack Jesus and Bible verses to make it fit our social construct and the things that we like to say. I told you before, years ago, I tried to use Bible verses to justify a girlfriend that my parents told me I couldn't have. So I went to Song of Solomon. Not the best place to go for a girlfriend verse. Just saying. And some of you are like, I have no clue what you're talking about. That's your weekly assignment. Go read Song of Solomon this week, and you'll be like, brother, get out of there. That's not for girlfriends. Then there's the TV Jesus. Oh, this is where it really gets interesting, because we have our shows that we like to watch, and they give their version of Jesus. And if we're not careful, we'll just buy into it and say that's who Jesus is, because that's how they made him to be on the TV show. And those are just ideas of who Jesus is, but if we're really going to know who he is, we have to go to the Bible. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. The Word of God. We've got to remove some emotions from it. And listen, I'm an emotional Cajun person. I can get fashé, which means angry. I can get mad, y'all. Y'all don't believe me, and I ain't going to show you. But I tell you, I get a little angry. Got a little bit of that in me. But if we're not careful, we're putting our filter of Jesus on. 
And if we got this filter of Jesus, then this is how we're interpreting life. This is how we're interpreting the Bible. And there's going to be a point in time where your filter just doesn't work. And the real you shows up. And better yet, finally, the real Jesus shows up. And so in this series, we're going to take the filter off to see the real Jesus. Amen? So today, in part one of Real Jesus, the message will be entitled, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? And for those of you that are going to the rap guy, we're not doing that today. I just thought it was a cool title. Some of you, the song's stuck in your head now. Get it out. Come on, you need to get that off of your radio. All right, let's go to Luke chapter 4. We're going to read a little bit of the Bible today. Luke chapter 4. And actually, I could have used some of Luke 4 last week, but uh, we had a lot of scripture and a lot of scripture today. But I want to go here, Luke chapter 4. This is a powerful moment for Jesus. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. He just, Jesus has just been baptized and led into the wilderness where he faced the temptation of Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. And now he's heading into ministry. Come on, 40 days, 40 nights, no food. Will the real Jesus please stand up? Am I right? Because most people's version of Jesus ain't fast in 40 days and 40 nights. All right, Luke chapter 4. I know, you could just feel that just fall like a lead balloon. All right, Luke 4, 14. It says, Then Jesus went back full of and under the power of the Holy Spirit into Galilee. I'm using the amplified version today because there's some definitions where it breaks it down that I want you to hear. Jesus went back full of and under the power of the Holy Spirit into Galilee, and the fame of him spread throughout the whole region round about. And he himself conducted a course of teaching in their synagogues, being recognized and honored and praised by all. They started realizing Jesus is pretty good at this preaching thing, okay? So he came to Nazareth, that Nazareth, where he had been brought up. Come on, this is where Jesus grew up at, the old stomping grounds. And he entered the synagogue, as was his custom on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. Let me give you the quick version of that. Jesus is the guest speaker at his home church. Okay? He'd been traveling around through Galilee. He's been preaching, and now he gets to come preach at the home church. But he didn't get to pick the sermon title. They told him what he was preaching. So in verse 17, and there was handed to him the roll of the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened, unrolled the book, and found the place where it was written. Verse 18, this is the part I want to get to. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel, to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. This is getting better and better as we read. Verse 19, to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. It's good to read some of these other versions sometimes because it gets a little more intense and it messes with you. I like it. Verse 20. Then he wrote up the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Jesus got finished early that Sunday. 
Probably not going to happen today. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were gazing attentively at him. And he began to speak to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled while you are present and hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the words of grace that came forth from his mouth. And they said, Isn't this Joseph's son? Now, I've learned when you read the Bible, you can put some tone into it. And I'm not sure how they said this part. But I'm just picking up the vibe in the room from where Jesus is at. He's back in the hometown. He's been on his preaching tour through Galilee. And now he's back in the hometown to preach. And they give him Isaiah and have all the chapters in Isaiah to read. He decides to read the one about the Messiah. And they're like, wait a minute. He's preaching on this, it and this. Isn't that Joseph's son? Almost like, who does he think he is? Coming to preach Messiah level sermons when this is just Joseph's boy. He's just, he's a tradesman. He's a carpenter. His, his dad, Joseph, and we all know that little backstory. Right. You know that Christmas story? We all know that story. I don't think Joseph is his real daddy, but we're just going to roll with it. Small town. Y'all know how small towns work, right? We know it. We just ain't saying it. But we all know it. And when you ain't around, we're talking about it. And so, um, isn't this Joseph's son? Almost like, is he really that good? Like, we heard he's preaching around in the area, but it's just Joseph's son. And you identify immediately there's a filter on Jesus at this point. Because they couldn't see Jesus as who he really was. They can only see him through the context of how they knew him. They only saw him as Joseph's son instead of being Jesus, the Messiah. I thought it was interesting that he goes to Isaiah 61 because this is the big time chapter in the Bible about Jesus. Like we, we read this so casually because we know about Jesus. We've heard sermons. We, we've got the Christmas story down. We've got the Easter story down. Some of y'all are like, I wonder what he's going to preach about this Easter. We already know the story. So much pressure. So much pressure for Easter sermons, by the way. But Jesus steps up and decides to read a messianic prophecy. The prophecy about the coming Messiah. He reads it. He sits down. And then he says, today, the scripture is fulfilled. And can you imagine the people in that room? Who do you think you are? Because you can't preach that sermon yet, Jesus. You're still a rookie in the preaching profession. You just came out of the wilderness for 40 days, and we know you're all excited because you overcame the temptation. And now you're full of the Holy Spirit, one of those people. You know what I'm talking about? Full of the Holy Spirit. And you want to start out with this type of message and I want you to see what they do to him, because if you keep reading down in verse 28, it says, when they heard these things, all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage. You know, as a preacher, you're doing something when you work the people up a little bit. 
I'm serious. Sometimes the silence may make you nervous, but I know that's where we're really doing work when you get quiet. But the people were filled with rage. Watch this, verse 29. And rising up, they pushed and drove him out of the town. And laying hold of him, they led him to the projecting upper part of the hill on which their town was built that they might hurl him headlong down. That means they were going to throw him off the hill. Now, I've been preaching a little bit, and ain't no one drove me out the room. Ain't no one tried to throw me off a cliff yet. Maybe today we'll start. We'll see. This is where it begins for Jesus. His first sermon. He's letting them know. In his hometown, he's letting them know, I am the Messiah. They're like, no, you're not. And we'll kill you for saying that. And so they led him out of the town. They push him. They're about to push him off the cliff. And I love verse 30, but passing through their midst, he went on his way. I don't know what that means, but it just seems like Jesus was elusive. You know what I'm saying? He had moves, and he got out of there because he still had work to do. But is the weight of this story hitting you? Because they didn't see Jesus that way. They just saw him as, that's Joseph's boy. This is just the son of a guy who works around town. And they couldn't see Jesus as the Messiah They couldn't see him for who he really was. And they were so moved, they were ready to kill him. Now, I I prepared this sermon. I studied this last week. And just thinking about it right now, it's like, these people are crazy. I mean, literally, they are crazy. Because Jesus is stepping into what God has been promising them For years and years. This is the moment they've been waiting for. This is the moment they've been praying for. And now the moment is actually here. Jesus is in person. And they can't even recognize it. Because they have this filter over their eyes. That only allows them to see the Messiah in a certain context. And God is literally answering their prayers. Ready to move in their lives. And they can't see it. They can't receive it. They just want to destroy it. And it just makes me wonder, if God is showing up in our lives right now, what if our filter is literally keeping us from seeing Jesus operating our lives the way that we've been praying? What? Let me say it like this. What if it's actually not a Jesus problem like we think it is? God, where you at? Been praying for this for years. Been waiting on you while I wait. I'm going to be faithful. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And God's like, hey, bro, I am here. I don't see you, Lord. That don't look like you because you wouldn't do that. You're the kind Jesus. Listen, sometimes Jesus will just tell you the truth to your face. Amen? Woo. And if you don't see Jesus that way, you will reject it. I've seen people literally rebuke the devil, and it was actually God trying to work in their lives. Seriously. This is the power of a filter. And what we don't realize is this. Their tradition had become their filter, their familiarity. 
They were so familiar with the synagogue. They became so familiar with church. They knew how it operated week in and week out. They understood the scripture because they have been faithful. They've been there all the time. And now God is ready to move. And the scriptures come to pass. And it was like, uh-uh. Yeah, that's just Joseph's boy. I want to know where Joseph's at. Mary, where are you at? Because you're trying to kill my kid. Let's fight. That don't fit your narrative, I understand. But you do something to my kid, let's go. Okay. I know, y'all on spring break, y'all got all those feelings on hold right now. <laughs> what filter may you be using currently that may literally drive Jesus away from you? Thank you. Child felt it. What filter do you have that may literally be pushing Jesus away instead of bringing him in? This is what's happening in this story. It could be a fear filter, it could be a pride filter. Maybe it's your ego. Maybe it's I've been there, done that, and I know everything, how this works. That can become one of the deadliest filters you can ever have on your life. Because the Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What if it's success? You're like, Pastor Wade, come on, don't mess with success. Sometimes success can be intoxicating so much that you don't even see your need for the one that God would send into your life. Amen? It becomes a filter. Religion can be a filter also. Because this is what's happening here. They were so dedicated to their scripture that they were not even realizing that there was someone who inspired the very scripture that they were dedicated to. And they became masters of what was written instead of followers of the one who, who inspired it to be written. Come on now. This is, so, this is so dangerous and this happens even in our culture. I know people that will argue with you to the end of the day, to the end of their life even, to try to prove something scripturally to you where you are wrong but don't have a single fruit of the Spirit in their life and feel like they are justified because they know the scripture. Seriously. And I, I listen, I believe in knowing the word of God, but if you don't know the point of the word of God, what are you doing with the word? You're putting a filter on it, and that filter is creating pride. Amen? Sometimes cultural, well, most of the time, cultural influence is our filter. Where we're trying to discern right and wrong through the lens of what's on the news and what's on social media and try to bring the Jesus factor to it. Well, watch this. What would Jesus do? And I, I do mean to be a little bit sarcastic about that because we're trying to bring the Jesus influence, but we don't want to follow the one that has the influence. We want his platform, but do we really want the presence of God in our life every day? Because if his presence is there, then we're going to get convicted about some things that we don't need to do. So we just use Jesus for the things that we want to happen. And this leaks into so many areas of our lives when it comes to raising kids, how we do marriage, when it comes to our voting preferences, knock, knock, we're there. Where it comes to social issues, literally, where people can take Jesus and bring it into something so ungodly and say, what would Jesus do? Jesus would just love. And so we create this free love that has no price 
when the love of God is proven through the death of Christ on the cross, y'all, there was a price that was paid. And so love costs something. It's not just free love. It costs something. For you to love somebody the way they need to be loved and the way God intended for you to love them, it is going to cost something. In fact, forgiveness costs something. If it doesn't cost anything, you're just letting people get away with things, and it's only going to enable that kind of behavior. But because it costs something, it can bring forgiveness, and it can bring redemption. It can bring change. And so it's this understanding that when Jesus shows up on the scene, he doesn't just show up as someone with an opinion. He doesn't just show up as another religious leader who has a good idea of what the Scripture is saying. He is the intent of Scripture. He is the inspiration of the Scripture. He is the very point that God was trying to make throughout all of history. So when Jesus shows up, you would just assume that everyone is like, Finally, he's here. Let's roll with it. No, what did they do? No, he's not the guy. Let's throw him over the hill. Got to get rid of this guy. And it's amazing how easy that was. Am I right? Like, come on, people, wake up. And, and it just seems like that would never, ever happen to us. We read those scripture like, what were these people thinking? And then you're like, that's some small town people. Right there, that's how they are. They're so inward thinking. You heard how I put that little accent on there? Just give it a little effect, you know what I'm saying? It can happen to any of us. And it happens all the time. Throughout our daily lives, we put these filters on Jesus. And that day, the real Jesus stood up. And when the real Jesus stood up, look what they tried to do. He didn't fit their narrative. He didn't fit their context. He didn't fit it. So they said, we got to get rid of him. And this was the beginning. Because as you read out the next few years of his life, and we'll, we'll get there on Easter, they went all the way through with it. Got to get rid of this guy because this is not the one. But all along, he was the one. Look at who Jesus claimed to be in Luke 4. I'll just read it again, verse 18 through 20. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me, the anointed one. You see how that's capitalized? The Messiah, the promised one. That's what that means. Promised of God. To preach the good news, which is the gospel, to the poor, he sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To send forth as delivered. I love how it says that. To send forth as delivered. You know what that means? You can go now. You're free. I mean, that's just how you say it. To send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. So who's the real Jesus? Let's dive in. Number one, he is the Savior. Not just a Savior. He is the Savior. When we were youth pastors, it would drive me up a wall whenever a mom would say, oh, I'm so thankful my, my daughter's dating this guy. He literally saved her life. No, he did not. He just distracted her from her craziness for a little while. But I promise you, crazy is in there. Crazy is in there, and you're going to go from tempered crazy to crazy crazy. And some of y'all are like, why are you talking about me, Pastor Wade? The crazy was in there. He did not save her life. He just distracted her for a little bit. 
And many times we agree that Jesus is a savior, but we don't see him as the savior. And so it's optional if he's just a savior. When I'm really, really, really in trouble, like when it's all bad and nothing else works, then we're going to pray. We've done gone through the counseling for the marriage. We've done had the sit-down talk. We did the mentoring. We did the workshop. We did everything. We don't know what else to do, Jesus. Can we talk to you now? That's a Savior version of Jesus. The Savior version of Jesus is, if we're going to have a good marriage, we got to build it on the rock of Christ Jesus because there's no other way it's going to work. Amen? There's a difference between the Savior and a Savior. Can I say it this way? There is no other option for a Savior other than Jesus. Because there is no one that can save you from your sins, that can forgive you, that can redeem you, that can restore you, or help you to forgive someone of their sins, to bring redemption and restoration to a relationship other than the Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can save. Amen? I need a better response from our church because I feel like you got options. He is the only Savior. Amen? The only Savior. Look at your neighbor and say, no one else. See, they can help you, but they can't save you. There's a difference there. And Jesus is the Savior. And so watch this. He's anointed to preach the good news, to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord. Now, I've read this many, many times. I dove into it this week because I I knew there was some more in there. I knew there was more to it, so I dove in and really brought it out. And this is what I realized. People strive religiously to live right. In other words, I want to prove that I'm saved, so I'm going to prove that I'm saved by trying really, really hard. So I'm going to worship harder at church. I'm going to pray harder and use all the these and thous in my prayer. I'm going to change my language. And to most people, that's just sounding more spiritual. It's not really changing your language. It's just adding words. And they're striving to project that I really am as righteous as I want you all to think I am. But real righteousness doesn't come from you. It comes from him. Because in order for you to obtain righteous, someone's got to live right. And he was the only one. Which makes him completely worthy to be the Savior, to save you from your wretchedness so that he can make you righteous. And because of him, now we can walk in the righteousness of Christ Jesus before God so we don't have to strive to be right. We can have faith in the one that made us right. And now we are Right. I'm not talking about right in the argument. Quit trying to win arguments and start living for God. Amen. Some of y'all just need to be quiet. Get off the social things. Quit commenting on everything. Leave it alone. There's a lot of amens for that. Y'all must know somebody. People are trying to follow all the rules. And I'm going to say something harsh to you. None of it's good enough. None of it's good enough. And that's why we need the Savior. Because in and of yourself, you're just not going to be able to pull it off. So he came to save people from sin, which is substandard living, so they can live a life acceptable to God. 
So watch this. The good news isn't just that you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That is good news, but that's not all of it. The good news is that he will accept you. That's a change. Because we're sinners. And he knows that about you. Look at your neighbor and say, he knows. And do it with a little tone. He knows. Oh, he knows. <laughs> so for him to accept you is a big deal. And that is good news. Whenever we start talking about the acceptable year of the Lord's favor, you've got to read that. Wait a minute. It's not just that good things are going to happen to me. It's that a good God will accept somebody who ain't so good because he sent his son Jesus, the Savior, to come and do something to make me good. And I'm not good enough myself, but in him, with him, pretty good. Righteousness. That's Jesus. He's the Savior. He makes the way to forgiveness and acceptance to God. So watch this. This is important. You know, Jesus didn't just come to make us better. This isn't to be, to be a better version of yourself. This is where so many times we get it wrong. I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to be a better person, a better person. For you to be the best version of yourself, you have to die to your old self and your old ways of living and allow him to resurrect you into the new life that is only found in Christ Jesus. That's the gospel, that you can be dead and gone, and he can raise you again into the person he wants you to be. And so this isn't behavioral transformation, y'all. This is life change. But here's where it's hard. We don't like to die to self. We like to live out loud. But in order for there to be a savior in our lives, we must be willing to die so that he can save us. Happy spring break to you. What did Pastor Wade preach about? He said, you got to die. <laughs> so you can live. Don't forget to tell him that part. Okay, so he's the savior. Number two, he is the deliverer. He is the deliverer. The, say the. the. Not just a, he is the deliverer. It says, announce release to the captives. For someone to announce release to captives, they must have authority. They have to be authorized. But you can't just show up and say, okay, you're free to go. No, you're not. Just because you say that, there has to be some authority that backs that up. And Jesus has all the authority to back it up because, number one, he is anointed. He is sent by God himself, so he is authorized by the Father to bring deliverance. Notice that we're not talking about a deterrence that keeps you busy so that you don't fall back into it, but someone who sets you free completely from it so that even though you're around somebody, you quit smoking. I'm not going to smoke again. I promise I'm never going to smoke again. But then you get around somebody who smokes. He's like, man, I just need a cigarette. You're you're not delivered. You've just been deterred by staying away. But true deliverance is I can stand in the middle of the fire, like we sang, and I'm not going to get burnt. And Jesus, the deliverer, has the capacity, the power, and the authority to do that for each and every one of us. Do you believe that today? Do you really believe that? 
Because it's easy whenever you think that about somebody else in their context, but do you believe it for yourself or do you have a filter? Oh, this is just the way I am. It just runs in our family. It's been like this for generations. Like uh, divorce is just what our family does. I mean, we got a 10-year limit and that's it. I mean, just kids in our family. That's just how kids are in our family. I mean, they're just out of the box. Some of that's just not good parenting. Maybe that's what the generational curse is. <laughs> I didn't know we were about to do a child raising conference here today. Right? How I many of y'all know somebody need to do it? No, don't, don't raise your hand on that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Stop. Stop. So most of the time, the filter that we have on Jesus is that he is soft and kind. And he is. But he is also strong and powerful, y'all. And there's people that are dealing with some real stuff, and they need more than just a coping mechanism. Can I get an amen? Amen. They need deliverance. They need breakthrough. And why are we just playing patty cake with Jesus? Jesus, give them strength to make it through this when Jesus is the deliverer that can set them free and break the chains. Come on. But we got to be sensitive to people because if you talk like that, then there might just be too much pressure on them. The pressure isn't on them. The pressure's on him. Read the story of the cross. Jesus, it was intense. But what was he doing? He was paying the price so that you and I could be set free. He is the deliverer. Amen? Amen. So watch this. Many people get saved but are still held captive by, by some kind of sin or something in their soul. I'm saved, but I'm struggling. I appreciate the authenticity, but I want to give you some direction. You can be set free from that thing. I got an anger problem, Pastor Ray, just how it's happening. You don't have to be mad, bro. I'm serious. God can set you free from that. You're like, how does he do it? I don't know, but he's the deliverer. He's got his ways. But our filter doesn't allow him to see him that way. We just see Jesus as, oh, he's going to help me be okay. And it's almost like this. It's almost like we're dumbing down the power of God to a level that is more comfortable and convenient. Come on now. And we've taken the grace of God and and used it kind of like as a mulligan. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Oh, that wasn't a good shot. Let me try it again. Well, if you play golf like that all the time, can I just say, you're not a good golfer. You need to work on some things. And it's the same thing with our life because, yes, there is grace, but at some point, the grace of God should lead you to godliness and not just, oh, I'll get forgiven again. It should lead you to godliness. Amen? He is a deliverer, and it's important that we see Jesus as a deliverer or else we will tolerate. We will tolerate things in our life that God wants to set us free from, y'all. Amen? He is that good. He is the, the, the deliverer. He has the power to set you free from anything. Say anything. anything. And you know what that means? Anything. What about this? That too. He has the power to set you free from it. The worst of sins. He has the power. He came to release you from the things that have had a hold on you. To release. Release. 
That means to let go. He came to bring a release in your life. And so you don't have to walk around with the filter or the impression of freedom. Oh, I'm just going to make everybody think I'm free. I'm going to post this picture as I walk in front of everybody. Look at me. I'm free. I'm free. You're not really free, though. You're just putting that filter on you. You were not meant to live with a filter. You were meant to live free. Amen. And how is that going to happen? Through the deliverer, Jesus Christ. Amen? Gosh, feel good about this. All right, here's the next one. Number three, he is the healer. He is the healer. Recovery of sight to the blind and the oppressed. This is huge. So watch this. This is what it means. Jesus is the miracle worker. Not just a miracle worker. He is the miracle worker. He can heal your body. He can heal your soul. He can heal your mind. He can heal your will. He can heal your emotions. He can heal you. Look at your neighbor and say, he can heal you. He can heal you. So watch this. Recovery of sight to the blind. That's a miracle. That is a miracle that only God can do. And this, rep- listen, uh, recovery of sight represents the ability to see what do you see because some of the blindness is actually just the filter the blindness isn't that you can't see it's that's how you see him remember when jesus took the man out of the village to heal him he touched the man and the man opened his eyes this is what he said. He said, I could see, but it looks like trees. Well, there wasn't trees in front of him. There were people in front of him. Then Jesus touched him again, and then he could see clearly. I think a lot of people have been touched by God. But we need to stay close so we can be continually touched by God. And here's the deal. When you're struggling with sickness, sometimes you want to get close, and sometimes you just want to get away. Come on, somebody. Tell the truth Sunday. He's the healer. And this is hard because we know people who are fighting with things. People who are dealing with sickness in their body. People who are fighting. Try to recover. But can you see him as a healer still? One of the most challenging times in my ministry, there was a girl in our youth group who had cancer and was fighting. Her dad was a mentor of mine and had people literally all over the world praying. Her dad was in the missions, knew all kinds of people. There were ministers flying into Baton Rouge to come and literally lay hands on her and pray for her. And I remember youth groups gathering at the hospital in the parking lot to pray and believe that Amy would be healed. And it just kept getting worse and worse. And it was overwhelming because all the questions came with it. Y'all know those questions? Like, why doesn't God just heal her? And I was really close with her dad. And at the time, we were planning a youth conference. And it was actually that weekend. This was a Thursday night up at the hospital late with Mr. Randy and he walks me down this wing of the hospital and I don't know why he done this other than this was God directing him and he looked at me and he said my daughter's gonna die tonight 
And I'm ready like, no, Mr. Randy, we're going to believe God. Let's do this. God's not finished yet. He said, no, no, no. My daughter's going to die tonight. And this is what he told me. The theme of our conference that weekend, guess what it was? Healer. Every kid in my youth group was praying for this girl. That's hard to do, y'all. You know what he told me? He said, you stand up in front of every one of those young people and you tell them God's a healer. This doesn't change who God is because my daughter, as soon as she steps foot into heaven, she's completely healed. That was a tough conference. But it didn't change who he is. He's still the healer. What if our filter, though, has only one way that this works? I don't even like preaching it that way. Because I remember what that felt like. It was terrible. But I still know who God is. And he is still the healer. Is it okay if we go into those tough spots and have those kinds of conversations, y'all? Where those questions are asked? Because some people, their filter immediately turns on whenever that happens and say, see, he ain't the healer. Well, that would be like us saying, you see, he ain't a husband because husbands don't act like that. He's the healer. Do y'all believe it? Do you believe it? Come on, do you, do you believe that or are you just agreeing so I can move on to the next point? He is the healer and he heals. Amen? He heals. And in a world that is full of so much health issues. We need the healer. We need more than just medicine. Thank God for it. Amen. Thank God for it. But we need the healer. We need some areas where there's some breakthrough and it's not just going to happen because a doctor got a degree on the wall. It happens because there's a Jesus who took the stripes so that we can be healed. He is the healer. Do you believe it today? Now, hold on, hold on. Now, now watch this. He says he sends forth as delivered those who are oppressed. This means Jesus cares also about your soul. And part of the thing with physical healing has more to do with the soul than it does with the body. I'm telling you, it does. And so for him to be able to say, hey, I can send forth as delivered those who are oppressed. That means Jesus says, I can get down into the depths of your soul, like where your faith is at, where your belief system is structured, where your filter is. And if I can bring some sight into your soul, then you can see it for your body. Come on now. This is good preaching on a spring break Sunday. I want you to see how that word oppressed is defined. It's people who are downtrodden, just feel like a beaten down. People who are bruised, and bruised, you don't see it all the time from the outside, but there's something on inside, and usually it's a blood issue. There's some blood that's been released in a place, and it's causing pain in that part of the body, and if you touch it, ouch, it hurts. That's why old bruises are causing present pain in people's lives. It's not this spouse that's doing it to you. It's something that happened to you a long time ago. You just got close with them. And when you got close to them, they accidentally bumped it. They didn't mean it. They bumped it. And now you're losing your mind about it. And you think it's him. You think it's her. It's not them. It was there all along. And this is where we need Jesus to come and bring healing to our souls. Amen. There's some old wounds that have created filters. 
It's a filter for me. Well, I don't do none of that no more because that one time this happened. You have to know that if you're afraid of the dark, God's going to make you sleep with the lights off. And you have to know if you say, oh, well, I don't witness and tell people about Jesus. He's going to put somebody right there in front of you that's going to ask you all the questions. He's good like that. But there's things in our soul that need to be healed. He is the healer. Do you believe it today? Do you believe it today? The real Jesus is the healer. Not just a healer, the healer. Here's the last one, number four, and we got to wrap up. He is the anointed one. He is the anointed one. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. He was anointed. That means consecrated, set apart, empowered by God. So whenever he stands to read this scripture, and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I'm sure all the guys in charge of the synagogue leaned in and were saying, be careful there, Jesus. You don't realize what you're preaching on today. But what they didn't realize was this wasn't just the message he was preaching. This is the person he was. He is the anointed one. He was the promised, authorized, and empowered one by God to be the Messiah. And God anointed Jesus to save. He anointed him to heal. He anointed him to set people free. Come on, do you believe that today? Don't worry about the kid crying. Lock in right here. They're going to be all right. We've got good people out there, okay? God anointed him to save, to heal, and set people free. He is the one that you have been searching for all your life. The void that's in your life that you've been trying to fill with all the things and all the stuff and all the accomplishments and all the possessions and all the promotions that you've been trying and striving to get. None of it fills. Only Jesus can fill that void in your life. It's only Jesus. He is the one. He is the specified one sent by God directly for each and every one of us. And you say, this feels like a one size fits all. God is so customized. It's a one size fits you because he's God. He's all in all. He knows how to do it, especially for you while he takes care of all the world. He knows exactly how to do it. He is anointed for this. And so he is anointed by the Spirit of God. And he was anointed so that he could anoint each and every one of us. You need to hear this. Because that same power that rests in him, he can give you that same power. Jesus had the power to overcome temptation, so you can have the power to overcome temptation. Amen? Jesus had the power to say no, so you have the power to say no. It doesn't come from your willpower because you're not that good. Look at your neighbor and say you're good, but not that good. But he has the power to help you to say no to sin so you can say yes to him. He wants you to see that living this life isn't just trying to make it to heaven, but is living victoriously even here on earth. You can live in victory over sin. You can live in victory over sickness. You say, well, what if I'm still sick? You don't have to be sick in your attitude. Come on. What if I got a struggle? You can still have a struggle and have some joy. 
Amen? Because joy doesn't come from your situation. It comes from the presence of God. Y'all making me preaching here on spring break, man. We got to go. Today and all through this series, I feel such a burden to try to convince you to try to help you to see the goodness of God, that Jesus is so much better than what you've ever given him credit for, that Jesus is so much stronger than what you think he is, and there is still hope as long as Jesus is around. And the story may not be written the way that you wanted it written, but I can tell you the story be written the exact way that God knew it would all along. Come on, somebody in this place. I need somebody to get excited about who Jesus is, the real Jesus, is standing up big even in our crazy world the real Jesus is standing up but there's a lot of people that's trying to make Jesus go away there's a lot of people that's trying to get Jesus off the scene but you can't remove him you can't get rid of him you can't make him go away he's the beginning and he's the end and he's all in between he's too powerful all that come on y'all goodness gracious just talking about Jesus. Like I said, I, I don't want to talk about him like he's not in the room. And maybe you're here today and you got a version of Jesus that was within the context of a religious structure. Or maybe you got a version of Jesus that didn't come from the scrolls, but it came from scrolling. Or maybe you got a version of Jesus that fit the convenience of what you and your people liked. But you need the real Jesus to stand up. You need the real Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed because there's people here today that their version of Jesus was simply the get me to heaven Jesus and will argue with you vehemently about their stance on I prayed the prayer so I'm good. But yet God has life for you to live now. And I just have a feeling that there's people in this room that have a church background with some awareness of Jesus but are still living in captivity. Are still living like they need Jesus to do some more when he's already done it all. Some people in here today that's been trying to make changes in your life and you're trying to do better, trying to do better in your marriage. Maybe you're a kid and you're trying to prove to your parents that you really changed, but every now and then that attitude just flies out and it's like, oh, now I've set back months, months of hard work. Maybe it's a temptation that you just keep falling into over and over. And you know what your prayer really is? With the real Jesus, please stand up. And he's standing up. But he's saying it's time for you to stand up. If you're here today and you say, I need to take a stand. I'm going to stand with Jesus because he's been standing with me for a long time. But maybe you do need some things to change in your life. Maybe it's physically. 
Maybe it's in your soul. Maybe there's some things that need to, to end today and you've tried to end them before. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a mindset. You've said things like, I don't know why I'm always in this kind of mood. Will the real Jesus stand up? If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet this morning. You say, that's me. That's me. Been striving. Been struggling. I've tried to change my language, but the kids make me so mad, it just comes out. Yeah. It ain't them kids. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Today is the day. And if that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. Maybe you've been running from God. They used to call them backsliders. And today, it's time to take that stand and come home. Anyone else? We're going to pray in a moment. Those of you standing, I want you to lift your hands. Jesus, today, we need you, the Savior. Jesus, today, we need you, the Deliverer. Jesus, today, we need you, the Healer. Jesus, today, we need you, the Anointed One. Only you can change our lives. And that's the prayer for every person that's standing today. Even those who are sitting down, we still need you to change our lives. We've been trying to change the situation, but we know we need you to change us, to break the addictions, the habits, the behaviors, to give us strength to say no to the temptation, to give us the overcoming spirit that only you can give to change the way we think, to change our perspective. Holy Spirit, today we need you. And I pray, Lord, for each person that is standing in this room, for the struggle that they're in, for the fight that they're fighting, Jesus, that you will be the answer. And I pray, Father, for the willingness of surrender for every one of you. And I want you to say that with your hands raised. You got your hands raised like you're surrendered. Just say, Jesus, I surrender. Notice we didn't say, I surrender it. But we said, Jesus, I surrender. Say it again, I surrender. Because if we surrender it, we just want to get better. But if we surrender, our life will be changed. And Father, I pray for changed lives in this room. And I want you to repeat this for those of you who don't know Jesus. In fact, everyone's going to repeat it. Say, dear Lord, thank you for going to the cross to pay the price, to make the way, to save me from my sin, to save me from my thoughts, to make me a new person. I surrender my life to you now. And I choose now to die to self so I can live for you. I will follow you. <laughs> I will become who you want me to be. I'm all yours. Change my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.